Well, if you're happy and you know it tonight, say amen. amen. Ooh, good to see everyone on Friday evening. We're going to have a good time. Uh, didn't you appreciate that worship? Man, I tell you, it's good. The presence of the Lord is good. We love your pastors. We appreciate the opportunity to come and be with you uh, this evening and also tomorrow evening and Sunday morning. So uh, we, we're, we're going to have some good times together. How many of you know we're all in different places at different times? Uh, you can turn me down just a hair, but not much, because uh, I don't like to have to push too much. But I hold my mic a little closer. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. That's perfect. So we'll have a great time. How many of you know we're in different places in life at different times? We all walk different journeys. And, you know, some of you tonight, you may be on the mountaintop, praise God. Others may be facing some situations. So we want to encourage uh, some people this evening, both give you some some encouragement and instruction uh, that may be a, a source of help to you. It's good when the saints come together and we love each other, encourage one another. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not going to tell you anything you've never heard before. You're, you're so well taught here. How many of you know you have one of the best teachers, Bible teachers in the land right here? I mean, seriously, he's just a wonderful teacher. So you're well taught, but it's not always what we know. It's what we need at the moment. So the Holy Spirit will have us emphasize and re-emphasize uh, certain things that will be a source of help and encouragement at the moment. So, you know, as we begin looking in the Gospel of John, uh, you know, the, a, a large majority of the Gospel of John was written based upon uh, the last 24 hours of Jesus' earthly life just prior to his death, burial, and resurrection and ultimate ascension, chapters 13 through 19. So he's gathered, you know, in an upper room with the disciples, and he is conveying some information to them that he wants them to remember and to to be a source of comfort and strength. And so one of the things that he tells them in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, he said, Hey, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then, of course, in chapters 14 and 15 and 16, he begins to encourage them uh, with these words concerning the Holy Spirit. He said, now listen, I've told you I, I've got to go. I'm about to leave. But I don't want you to be discouraged because of that. Because if I don't go, then the comforter will not come. But when I leave, the Father is going to send you a divine paraclete, a divine source of help. Everything that I have been to you, he will be to you. A source of strength, a source of comfort, a source of wisdom, guidance, counsel, joy, and peace. He said, but the good news is he'll not only be with you as I have been, but he's going to actually take up residence on the inside of you, an internal and eternal uh, uh, help. Amen and blessing and person. So he encourages them uh, with those words concerning the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them some other things to consider. And then in John 16 and 33, he says these words. And I said all that because he said, these things have I spoken unto you. What things? All the things that we just mentioned and others. Uh, so that in me you might have peace. 
Now he said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So basically, you know, what he was saying is, listen, I'm about to perform an amazing act of redemption through my death, burial, and resurrection. Your life and existence as my disciples and all of those who will believe on me through your testimony is about to be radically altered. (laughs) Amen. He said, but I don't want to leave you with a false impression. I want you to understand the present reality in which you're going to be living. And that is, even though you're a new creation, even though you're my disciples, even though I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when I get it ready, I'll come again, even though my wonderful Holy Spirit is going to be living on the inside of you, helping you, strengthening you, standing by you, you need to understand this present reality, and that is in this world, a world that is in a state of degeneration, A world that does have the presence of Satan, sin, human will, and volition, your faith will be tried. There's going to be some oppositions, there's going to be some adversities, there's going to be some resistance, there will be uh, difficulties at time, but don't lose your sense of confidence, don't lose your sense of joy, don't lose your sense of peace. I have overcome, and because of that, so will you. Amen. So he leaves them with with these words of encouragement. Uh, And sometimes people say, well, why is there opposition? Why is there difficulty? Why are there hardships? Why do these things occur? Well, basically, friends, as we've already stated, we're in a fallen world. We understand that. But we do have an enemy. His name is Satan. And, you know, some people think Satan is a figment of someone's imagination, a fabrication. Satan is a real entity. He oversees a vast kingdom of darkness comprised, Ephesians 6 tells us, of principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual weakness in heavenly places, over which we've been given authority, but nevertheless, uh, it is a real kingdom. And because of that, Jesus identifies him, as you well know, as a thief. John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, In contrast now, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So he said, I came to give you life superior in quality and abundant in quantity. So anything that falls under the category in this present dispensation uh, of stealing or killing or destroying, you can readily identify the author and the source. As children of God, we're the objects of his love and affection, right? So we do have an enemy, and we understand that. So, you know, realizing that, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, I just want to encourage some folks because it became very evident to me this afternoon, uh, not all of you, but some of you have been facing some press, pressing and perhaps challenging situations, and God just wants to encourage you tonight with the Word of God. Is that okay? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, Paul, uh, Peter makes this statement. He said, listen, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Now we understand the context uh, of the verse, meaning the passage through this life. But, you know, we don't need to be surprised. One translation says, don't be surprised. (laughs) 
as though there was this was some abnormal experience. Now, we don't go around on the defensive, but we just realize we live here. These things are going to surface from time to time, and we're well equipped to deal with them through the Word of God, through the blood of Jesus, and the power of Jesus' name, right? So, don't be surprised. The devil's the devil. The world's the world. Put a smile on your face. Stay in joy. Stay in peace. He's overcome, so do we, right? So Paul talking about some of his own personal uh, times of challenge and adversity in life, and we've talked about these things in, in times gone by. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, remember verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul writing. Notice Paul's comments. Of course, uh, as a man, as a minister, he had some challenging situations in life. And notice he said, We are troubled on every side. Have you ever noticed in life that many times trouble seems to come with company? <laughs> it's not just one thing, you know, but, but, you know, several things tend to converge simultaneously, you know, on several fronts all at once. I call it the devil's pileup technique, just trying to overwhelm you, get you frustrated. But I want you to notice Paul's mentality. He said, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Paul said, I'm not going to allow myself to get all stressed out over the situation, uh, become anxious, allow these external frustrations of the moment to steal my sense of internal peace and joy, right? So he said, hey, troubled on every side, yet we got some stuff going on, yet not distressed. Now notice the next verse, he said, our next word, he said, perplexed. Now, how many of you know what perplexed means by definition? Somebody tell me. Confused. Really? (laughs) Paul was confused? Well, he said, listen, life can be a little perplexing. And basically what he was saying, I don't always understand why every situation unfolds the way it does. I don't always have all the answers. I don't know why people behave and respond the way they do, why every situation occurs and so forth. But just because I don't understand it all and I don't have all the answers doesn't mean that I'm going to throw in the towel, quit, Adopt this attitude of futility. Why try? I'm serving God. Why try? He said what? Perplexing at times. What's the next word though? But not in despair. Right? Then he goes on to say persecuted. All who live godly in this life will suffer persecution, the Bible says. But what's the next word? But not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I like one translation says, uh, struck down, but not struck out. Amen. So I think some Christians, you know, in life, they need a butt revelation. And I'm not talking about the one you're sitting on, right? <laughs> I'm talking about the conjunction, but. Because the Bible says in Psalm 30 and verse 5, it says, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 34 and verse 10, it says, The young lions may lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. Verse 19 of the same chapter says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And of course, what we just uh, looked at in John 16 and 33, uh, In this world you shall have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer. I've overcome. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need a butt revelation. <laughs> Amen. Oh, praise God. Now listen. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Paul had opposition in life, friends. We're going to have situations that arise. But the good news is none of it stopped him. None of it overcame him. He finished his course. None of it will stop you. None of it will stop me if if we will maintain the proper mentality in these times or seasons of adversity or opposition because uh, maintaining a proper mentality and a positive mentality is crucial uh, to overcoming uh, and navigating that situation successfully. Are you following me? So, you know, we've said it before, uh, but it bears repeating. The highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality. I said the highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality. Because if I am thinking improperly about myself, about my situation, about my future, if I'm thinking improperly, then I'm believing improperly. And if I am believing improperly, then I become powerless to change my situation. So that's why we say in reality, the highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality, right? So if we're going to navigate these things successfully, we have to maintain uh, the right uh, mentality. And in one sense of the word, we say that we have to face life with a certain predisposition, or a certain attitude. As a Christian, you ought to have an attitude. And I mean a good one. This internal posture, this internal predisposition that says, hey, whatever comes, Christ in me, Christ with me, Christ for me, is more than enough to put me over in whatever situation may occur or whatever the devil brings. Are you listening? Don't you love the Apostle Paul's mentality in life? Uh, Notice in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35, notice his comments. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Verse 37, notice, King James, nay. That sounds like a donkey. Nay, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now notice, for I am what? Persuaded. I am persuaded. I have an unwavering sense of confidence. That's the attitude. That's the predisposition. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! Man, that just, that's like putting a, a salve on a wound. <laughs> When the devil brings something, man, you just have that internal persuasion. You've got that internal attitude. Whoo, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Amen. 
So, once again, maintaining the proper mentality in these times of opposition, pressure, adversity, whatever form it may be manifest, is crucial to navigating that thing successfully and coming out victoriously uh, on the other side. Now, I understand, once again, you're well taught. You've heard these principles, but, friends, it's not what we know in life. It's what we implement. It's what we do that we benefit from. So you understand that not only is the mentality of faith, you've got to keep your thought life on the right track. But in in accordance with that, we must also maintain what we call the vocabulary of faith. What we say, friends, has a tremendous impact on our lives. What we say to ourselves about ourselves, to ourselves about our situation, to ourselves about our future, what we say out of our mouths have tremendous impact. So we not only have the mentality of faith, but we also have the vocabulary of faith. Paul put it this way. Once again, we understand the overall uh, implication of this verse, but it does set forth the principle. Second Corinthians 4 and 13, notice what he said. He said, we having the same spirit of faith, all of us in here have the same spirit of faith if you're a Christian. But now notice the characteristic of the spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed. Well, that's good. It's wonderful to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to believe the promises of God and the things that He has declared concerning us. I believed. That's first. And therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore as a result we what? We speak. So believing God's Word and declaring their reality in the midst of circumstances that seem completely contrary to that reality (laughs) is very crucial in navigating that season successfully and coming out victoriously on the other side. How many of you have experienced that reality? Man, when it looked like everything was falling apart, but you held to the promise of God, you declared its reality, and you got to the other side, and the very thing that you believed and held to and declared got you what you had declared, right? Got on the other side of that mountain. So, believing the Word of God and declaring its reality. So, we have to believe greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. I have to believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am ready for and equal to, as the Amplified Bible says, uh, anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I've got to believe that when I pass through the waters of difficulty, he'll be with me. And through the rivers, they will not overtake me. When I walk through the fire, I'll not be burned, neither will the flame kindle upon me. I've got to believe when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And I've got to declare those realities. Now, sometimes, friends, it is a fight to stand up and say, By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. When your body doesn't feel right, 
Sometimes it's a fight to stand up and say, I have the mind of Christ. When, you know, your mind is attempting to go haywire and fear is attempting to sabotage your sense of peace and confidence, right? That's why Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter, or 1 Timothy 6 and 12. What did he tell him? Fight the good fight of faith. (laughs) It's a fight sometimes, right? That's why he said fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. He knew that Satan would attempt to rob us at times of our sense of faith and confidence. uh, And that there would be a battle at times, right? I don't win because I'm a Christian exclusively. I ultimately do, but in this life, I don't win just because I'm a Christian. I don't win because I'm a church member. I don't win because my mom's a Christian. I win because I possess and exercise faith in the, in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and the, the victory that He's given me through it. Right? So there's a fight to faith at times. Everybody say, believe the word and declare the word. Now, I know that's simple. Many times it's the things that are simple in concept that are profound in application, right? So, believe the Word and speak the Word. So, you know, when the devil gives his biggest punch, boom! And he says, what have you got to say now? You know, you've seen them. When they put, what you got to say? What you got to say? What have I got to say? I'll tell you what I got to say. So, uh, 91 and verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. What have I got to say? Psalm 18 and verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Doesn't that beat saying all the negativities of life? You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, he, he'll try to get you to, to chime in on all the negatives and reinforce them. But our response is the word. I will say of the Lord. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He's my God. So, you know, sometimes, just as encouragement tonight, uh, you know, something I found personally in, in my own life, and we all have to live this thing, just because I'm a minister doesn't mean I'm exempt. You know, is sometimes some of my greatest seasons of blessing, advancement, success in life, you know, have been preceded by some of the most intense seasons <laughs> of adversity, resistance, potential discouragement, right? So I've learned something in life, and I'm sure you have too. You know, sometimes your greatest times of adversity or resistance or opposition could just be the border to your promised land. So I just put it this way, James chapter 1 and verse 2, I've learned to count it all joy, right? Doesn't mean it is joy, but it says count it all joy when you encounter these things, right? Why? Well, because you know this test If I'll maintain the proper mentality and declare the promises of God, this test will become my testimony. This present opposition will become my future launching pad. Are you with me?
You know, uh, over in Matthew chapter 7, there's uh, an interesting story. I, I suppose it's a parable that Jesus tells about the, the two individuals that built their house, one on the rock, one on the sand. How many of you have read that? before. It's an interesting parable. Uh, I know the, the uh, totality of the story goes through verse 27, but I want to read verses 24 and 25, uh, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, I think that's kind of comical, because a lot of Christians think, you know, if you if you know the word and you're a doer of the word, you know, you're somehow exempted. <laughs> but here, I want you to notice, the rains descended on the man of the woman who built their, their house on the rock and were hearers and doers. Yeah, the rain descended. The floods came, the winds blew, and beat on the house. <laughs> you mean on the house? That was the hearer and the doer? Yeah. You know, there's been times in my life, and look, I'm, I live this thing like everybody, and you can be real with God. I just, I've gone to him a couple of times. I remember a long time ago, I said, Lord, man, I'd been through a season. Boy, I mean, it just felt like we were besieged like Paul on every front. And I said, God, I'll be honest with you, sir. In the natural, I feel completely beat up here. I feel beat up. You know, I've believed, I've spoken the word, but I just feel beat up, you know, in the natural. And he brought me to that, to that story. And he, and he basically ministered to me this way. He said, did you notice the, the, the rains descended? Yes, sir. Did you notice that the floods came? Yes. And the winds blew, yeah, and beat on the house, yeah. I said, that's, that's me. Feel a little beat up. He said, but I want you to notice that's the final stage of the storm. And some of you may be there tonight, but I want you to know you're standing on the verge of a glorious exit. Amen. And some people say, well, how do you know if your faith has worked? Friends, the only way you know if your faith has worked is when that storm passes, if your house is still standing. That's how you know your faith worked. You might not can see it at the moment, but when it's all said and done, you'll still be standing, and that's how you know. Hey, hey! <laughs> My faith prevailed. Whoa! Can you say amen? I want you to be encouraged tonight. Some of you are coming out. You've been through a storm. You felt the rain, the winds, you, you know, the beating on the house. But this is your time of an exit. And the word of the Lord's coming to you tonight uh, to encourage you along those lines. Now, you know, we, we've, um, we've talked about these things before, but you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? <laughs> you know, they ended up in the fire. Maybe you feel like you've been there. How many of you know the story of, of Daniel and the lion's den? Man, that's an awesome story because Daniel was doing everything right. He was a man of integrity. 
He was a man of honor. And some people say, well, you know, I feel like I've done everything I know to do. I'm doing everything I know to do that's right to please God. And here I'm in a very precarious and difficult situation. Well, Daniel was doing everything right. And he found himself in a, in a precarious situation. And don't you know when they came to, to grab him and take him uh, to that lion's den? <laughs> don't you just know he knew God was going to zap him? But he didn't. And so he's standing there on the edge of that den with those lions in the bottom with their mouths wide open. And I'm sure that he probably felt like I have at times. And I don't know if you've ever said it, but I have. Hey, if you plan on doing something, now would be a great time. You ever felt like that? (laughs) I have. But you know what? He didn't. And they threw him in. And that's where a lot of people throw in the towel. I've done, I've believed, I've done this, I've done that, I, you know, and here I am in the den. Well, friends, that's not the time to give up. You gotta read the rest of the story. Verse 23 of Daniel 6, it says, in the morning they came and they took him up out of the den. And notice, there was no manner of hurt upon him. God can so deliver you and deliver me from situations and circumstances that there is no evidence of the fact that we were ever in that den. I mean, he was in there with a lot of hungry mouths. There wasn't one scratch. No evidence of the fact that he was in that den. No residue of the past. You might feel like you're standing at the Red Sea tonight. Pharaoh's breathing down your neck. And the water seems impassable. Can I encourage you? You're going to come pass through that fire. You won't be burned. Come up out of that den. No manner of hurt upon you. You're going to pass through this present sea of opposition. And that which has been pursuing perhaps, I believe it will be swallowed up by the power of God. Anybody say amen? amen? You know, God is a master, isn't He? at turning seemingly impossible situations around. I know we've coined those phrases in Christianity. Oh, God is the God of the turnaround. But you know He is. (laughs) Is that a scriptural concept? Of course it is. What does it mean if something turns around? What does that mean by definition? A turnaround is a what? A change in the course of direction, right? So that means perhaps something's been going unfavorable for quite a while. And then bless God, man, that thing turns around. It does a 180 and it starts going in a different direction. Well, God does things like that. We have scriptural examples. Uh, uh, Psalm, isn't it 126 verse 1? Notice what the Bible says. When the Lord turned again. Aren't you glad? that? Don't you like that word again? Because sometimes we think God is mad at us and, you know, we understand we can make bad decisions in life that affect us. But, hey, God is bigger than our bad decisions. I just thought I'd let it out. I didn't. Nobody's here. So God is. (laughs) If you hold it in, you could break a rib. So I just let it out. God is bigger than our bad decisions. How many of you know that? And He is merciful, 
Right. So I do like that word again. When the Lord turned again, because He delivered the children of Israel multiple times from different situations and circumstances, even when they had poor judgment and were rebellious at times and made mistakes. But He said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Now, what do we mean, turn the captivity? Well, of course, you understand they were in Egyptian bondage. They're, They're slaves to Egypt. They're making bricks out of straw and mud. I mean, life is very unbearable. It's not very joyous and happy for them. They're, in one sense of the word, depressed. They're poor. They're down and out. And then the Bible says God turned that situation, turned their captivity. Now, what does it look like when God turns someone's captivity? Well, let's just read it right here. In Psalm 105, what's it look like when God turns somebody's captivity? Psalm 105 and verse 37. Notice, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now listen, I'm all about stewardship, good business, diligence, hard work. But I also know from personal experience, and not as a minister, but as a layman, as a person, that God can do supernatural things for you financially if you're at the right place at the right time with the right people, and they could be somewhat unexpected. (laughs) Are you listening? He is still God of supernatural, right? So here they are one day, you know, down and out, completely broke, poor, uh, downcast, and the Bible said God turned their captivity, and the next day, after, you know, a series of events, brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. They get out there in the desert, and he takes up a $10 million offering from a bunch of homeless people to build the tabernacle. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> What does it look like when God turns somebody's captivity? Look in verse 43 of the same chapter, 105. He brought forth His people with joy and is chosen with gladness. You might be in here tonight, man, there's just been an old spirit of depression or heaviness. You can leave with that thing lifted. Woo, hallelujah. God can turn situations around. You know, God radically altered their state of existence. That's why I do tell people, never assume for a moment that your present state or condition has any bearing on your future potential or fulfillment. Because God can change things in a moment of time. Let me repeat that. Never assume for a moment that your present state or condition has any bearing on your future potential or fulfillment because God can change things in a moment of time if we will follow Him, cooperate with Him, and believe Him. Right? Woo! So, here's another example. Job 42 and verse 10. You've read it. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. <laughs> well, I've lost it all. I know, but God can give it back. <laughs> he can. Hey, man, I've been there. That crash in 2008, itinerant minister, believe me, I've been there. 
the first thing that goes out the window is the charitable giving. <laughs> but God is the restorer. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what. He gave him back twice as much as he had before. Isn't God good? And, and you know the story of Job. He lost everything, friends. Right? But God had the last word. If you and I will just stand there and say, Hey, I, I believe you. I trust you. I know you're good. I know you're going to turn this thing in, in around for my favor. He can restore. Right? So, now I understand our captivity has already been turned legally in Christ. We understand that. But I'm talking about specific situations that maybe you've been facing of late. That you need to see God do something supernatural. As we call, as we say, man, we need to see this thing turn. Right? Is that scriptural? Absolutely. So, God turned the captivity of Job. He turned the captivity of Zion. And He can turn ours. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, you know, as I was, I was preparing for this evening, just waiting on the Lord, as I so, told you, I was acutely aware that some people have, are facing some situations, and we want to release our faith in this service tonight. You know, kind of like draw a line in the sand and, uh, you know, make our declaration that, hey, my situation is taking a turn, right? <laughs> I don't care what it has been or how long it's been that way. Because the word of the Lord's coming to us tonight. And, and you know, I've shared you with you this psalm before. The Lord speaks to me in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, and He encourages me with them in my own life and prayer time. And I know I've shared it with you, I think, before, but, but it bears repeating because it's coming up in my spirit. And maybe you'll be encouraged by it. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, uh, you know, one time in my own prayer, prayer time, He said, you've been in a season or a time of opposition. The enemy has attempted to discourage and detour. But be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And remain steadfast and endure. Why? Because the tide is turning. The day of victory is here. The devil is defeated. Do not be discouraged and do not fear. For the hopes that you've harbored and the dreams you've believed, they shall come into fruition and they shall be received. So rejoice and be glad and lift your voice and say, things are turning around in my favor. Victory is mine today. <laughs> And I like that part. The hopes that you've harbored and the dreams you've believed, they shall come into fruition and they shall be received. So rejoice and be glad and lift your voice and say, things are turning around in my favor. <laughs> Everybody say, things are turning around in my favor. Woo! I like this one. When the mountain seems high and the road seems long, and sometimes it does, lift up your voice and sing a victory song. Sing a song of joy. Sing a song of praise because you're on your way to brighter days. Days of plenty, not of lack. Days of reprieve from the enemy's attack. For the time of harvest is finally here. 
and your work shall be blessed in the coming year. Your hands that have labored, your feet that have trod, they shall in this season be rewarded by God. No longer will you say, Lord, what shall we do? (laughs) For the fullness of the blessing shall rest upon you. How many of you received that? Woo, glory to God. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Lillian B. Yeomans, a medical doctor in the early 1900s, she made this statement. She was a a wonderful uh, healing minister also. She was delivered from morphine addiction as a medical doctor, saved, and then had a healing ministry for 40 years. And she made this statement in dealing with people in the healing arena. She said, I've come to realize that praise hastens victory. Praise hastens victory. There's something about praising God. Once you've said said your prayer, made your declarations, you know, (laughs) told God you're trusting Him, well, what else is there to do, right, but to praise Him? Why? Because you know He's heard. You know the answer's on the way. And I've heard it said, and I've told you before, uh, pray, your celebration is a what? A demonstration of your faith in the fact. God's heard my prayer. The answer's on the way. The situation's turning around. So tonight, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep you here all night, but tonight as we conclude this service, I just had in my spirit, first of all, to encourage you along these lines. Everything's going to be all right. God's heard your prayers. Faith's working. You might not see it. You don't always see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not taking place. Right? So faith is working. God's working on the situation. He's heard your prayers. Things are being aligned. People are being motivated and so forth. Right? But we need to conclude this service tonight just thanking God and praising Him that Things are turning around. The answer is on the way, right? And you believe it. How many of you believe it? Well, I want us to stand tonight. And how many of you need some situations to turn? Raise your hand if if that pertains to you. We've all got some things probably. But I want you in your heart of hearts as we stand this evening, I just want you to begin in a moment. I want you to lift your hands. And I just want you to thank God personally that He's heard your prayer, that the answer's on the way, that things are turning around. Praise hastens victory. Now, why do I say that? We've given you this example, and I know your pastor has. In Acts chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 25, you'll remember Acts 16, uh, 25. 25 and 26 says, Paul and Silas at midnight, they were in prison, you know, and at midnight, uh, they, they prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. <laughs> so there wasn't a quiet thing, you know, everybody in the jailhouse heard them, right? And then notice what happened in verse 26. And suddenly, There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately, notice I love this part, all the doors were open 
everyone's bands were loose. Not just Paul's and Silas's, but everybody in the vicinity. So that shows you the power of praise. When we begin to praise God, and we might talk a little bit about this on Sunday, but we begin to praise God. And His presence comes in on the scene, right? And things begin to change. This is a scriptural principle. Suddenly there was, there was a change. So I want us just to lift our hands for a moment, right where you are. If you need physical healing, if you need, uh, things to, to, to turn around financially, relationally, physically, whatever the situation may be. And I just want you to begin to thank God right now, personally. Lord, we thank you. Father, you are a good God. You are a merciful God. And you're your eyes are upon the righteous and your ears are open to our prayers. And I thank you, Lord, this evening for every person that is in this room that have come to this house because their heart was hungry and they wanted to hear your word and to receive from you. And I thank you, Lord, that in the realm of the Spirit right now we make a declaration. And our declaration is that situation circumstances are now turning in uh, the favor of the righteous. They're turning in our favor. Uh, a, a change in the course of direction. And we give you praise. We're going to say it in the morning. We're going to say it in the afternoon. Thank you, Lord. Things are turning around in our favor. Thank you, Lord. It won't be as it has been. And I know it's been that way for a long time. But things are changing. Things are turning. And you will see. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory. 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 We praise you now, Lord, in faith. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. And I mean, it can happen as soon as tonight. It can happen tomorrow. It can happen next week. You just keep thanking God. <laughs> tonight we've set it in motion. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everyone say things are turning around. In our favor. One more time. Things are turning around. In my favor. Victory's mine. Victory is mine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, why don't you give him a shout of praise and I'm gonna sing. <laughs> I'm gonna sing you a song. I've sang it before, but I, I wanna sing it to you again. Crank it up. Glory to God. Once you find that track. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Woo! You people know how to have church around here. Hallelujah. Now listen, I wasn't just a preaching tonight. I, I gave you what I had in my spirit by the Spirit of God. And, and I believe if we'll lay hold of it, we'll see some miracles. And some situations turn around and there'll be some tremendous testimonies. I've had people, when the Holy Ghost unctions us along these lines, give testimony. It might be a week, two weeks, but it'll come. Amen. We're going to hold on to it. Amen. Pastor. All right. We love you. Glory to God. Yeah, let me give you a moment to, to get everything straightened out. Do keep in mind some of the things he was uh, 
saying here, it's not that you have to get so focused on praising God that the answer is here. You have to get focused on praising God. That's what you got to do. When the, when the folks were in prison, as he was talking about, they were praising God. They weren't saying, the ch- these chains are released That's now. Right. And then, they weren't doing that. That's right. That's good they were just praising God. Yeah. And then God came down and said, what do you think we ought to do? Hey, let's loosen the chains. <laughs> or whatever it is that they did. But they're just praising God. See, sometimes we think we have to praise God for... And that's, I'm not saying that you can't. I mean, sometimes you do that, and some people have gotten revelation on that and have done those things. But don't feel like you have to. Just stay in a, ma- in a mode of, of praising God. That's what you need to do. You see, because it keeps you out, out of the fear area. Now, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I just, I just love hearing the word. I, I can just hear it every day. Just, I just got to keep taking it in. So. I came in from the from where I was at in the shop, and I hear the sh- in the shop. I love working in the shop because I get to hear the word. I got great earphones, and I just piped the word into me all all day long. So I was listening to the word. I came out, and my wife was listening to somebody on a thing, and I saw the title for it, and instantly, I got a notion inside. I asked her about it, so because it was uh, somebody was teaching on the double anointing, and so I said, "So what is their take on the double anointing?" Do they take the American view that it's twice or do they take the Hebrew view of what a double portion is? And so she said, well, actually, she's not talking about either. And then she, she went on and she said, she's talking about the responsibility that's on you for walking in and owning. I said, oh, I like that. <laughs> so I went back in the shop, but I found it and I started playing it myself. And um, uh, lots of good stuff in there. Nancy Dufresne. And Nancy Dufresne. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. You ought to listen to it. But I, I wrote down something. Now, I didn't bring my book with me. I have a book. Always goes around with me. And I write stuff down in it that I get because I don't want to forget it. But she made this statement. That doesn't seem like it has anything to do with this, but it actually does. Y'all get your offering ready? You didn't forget, right? <laughs> Ushers, come on. <clears throat> She made this statement. She said, the devil, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this now, but I wrote it down because it's going to make it into a bulletin. I put a little, little quote there in the bulletin. It's going to make it in there. She was, she was saying, the devil sometimes comes and he puts thoughts in your head. And we've been taught or trained to, to we think that we, I'm going to resist that. How many have ever thought, I'm going to resist that? She said, if you resist the thing the devil gets you, or threatens you with. That's what it was. If you resist what the devil threatens you with, you've already given in to the fear. I thought, oh. Now that's a different way of looking at that. If you resist what the devil has threatened you with, you've already given in to the fear. You see, what should you do? Just praise God. Just praise God. That's it. Just go off. The devil comes to you. He says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this." Just laugh. <laughs> Just laugh. No, you can't do that. If you could have, you would have already. <laughs> brother, remember Keith. Brother Keith Moore. He said this to you. He said, said, to, said this to us, because the, the the devil kept threatening to kill him. 
because his father died at 21 by gunshot. His grandfather died by gunshot at 21. He says, you're going to die by gunshot by age 21. And so he was, he was resistant. And the Lord came to him and he said, ask the devil why he hasn't done it already. <laughs> and that just opened up revelation for him. He says, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he could have, he would have, right? Uh, don't give in to the fear. Just keep on praising. Just keep on praising. Every time the devil wants to tell you it's not going to work, just keep on praising. You see, the children of Israel, like he was talking about today, the children of Israel would have not given in to the fear, would have not complained and murmured and just come to Moses and said, we're in day, we're in day 5,600 and whatever of our captivity. Glory to God, it's almost over. <laughs> what if they would have done that? What if they would have praised God? See that? Don't, just keep praising God. Because the enemy wants to get you to out of the praise and focus on the fear. But don't do it. Just keep, just keep staying in that, in that area and looking at the praise. Every time he wants to get you in, you don't have to resist it. You can resist the enemy, but don't bother resisting. I'm going to resist that cold. I'm not getting sick. I'm going to resist. Well, there's no reason for that. Just go on and praise God. Just stay in that attitude. Just stay happy. There's two examples you had right there he was talking about. Just look at that. Children of Israel. Paul and Silas. When I get to, to up to heaven, I'm going to, ask, I'm going to ask Silas about this. He says, man, you just signed up for this. Paul's been in this for a little while. You just signed up and bam, <laughs> beaten and put in prison. <laughs> he just got, what a, way to, what a way to get involved in ministry. <laughs> oh, all right. I should have all done. If you didn't bring an offering tonight, it's always tomorrow night. Bring an offering in and we want to make sure he send him off with a good offering. Everybody get lifted up tonight? Good stuff? Oh, those songs are, are good. Don't be, don't be afraid about loud music. Brother Marty likes loud music. We want to keep Brother Marty happy because I want, I want him ministering to us. So. <laughs> we can feel the music for a little while. That's all right. All right, come on and stand up. Glory to God. Tomorrow night is what time? Seven o'clock. That would be that would be incorrect. You all would be late. Six o'clock. Tomorrow is six o'clock. The reason we do tomorrow at six o'clock is because Sunday morning starts at ten. And if we did seven o'clock and you all got home at ten, you might not come in here as quickly the next morning. So and some folks have to be here sooner than ten. So we want to make sure that you have plenty of time for that. So tomorrow night, six o'clock. And then, you know, we'll just go on an hour longer, right? (laughs) Glory to God. Father, we thank you. It was a good night to be in your presence. It was a good night to hear your word. And it's a good night to be refreshed on the things that we may already know. But all that matters is what we're doing. We thank you for it. Give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Brother Marty, you can be back at the table. You can be floating around. He's going to float around. So if you got questions and stuff back in the table, find them floating. And uh, my wife is back there on the table. You can purchase, pick up whatever you got. You got music, teaching, all sorts of stuff.